You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is August 27th, and Atlanta United has defeated Minnesota United 2-1 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium to win the U.S. Open Cup. It is Atlanta's third major trophy in nine months, joining the Campionas Cup, uh, won a few months ago with a victory over Club America, and last season's MLS Cup, all three coming here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The goals were scored by uh, Gaspar, an own goal, an easy goal, too easy by Gonzalo Martinez or Pitti Martinez in the 16th minute. Minnesota answered uh, with a goal in the 47th minute, a really nice little finish, a creative finish. Leandro Gonzalez Perez picked up two yellow cards within three minutes, and Atlanta United held on, playing with just 10 men for the final 17, 16, 17 minutes to win the trophy. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. And I'm joined, as always, by Jason Longshore of 92.9 FM and SoccerDownHere.net. Jason, what did you make of tonight's game? Well, one thing is that uh, they they won Campione's Cup a few weeks ago, not a few months ago. Oh, it's it just is. we've been that busy lately. Did I say months? I thought you I said, said two months. weeks. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's been crazy like that. Um, that's what's so wild about tonight is, is you're able to find a way – to continue to lift your game, and did, were you able to lift it for 90 minutes? No, you, you couldn't. Um, Minnesota came out in the second half and, and played really well, but this team to start the match was so, so good. Maybe as good as we've seen in the first 20 minutes. Um, that good. Barco, Pitti, Joseph, outstanding. Merrim, Gressel, the, the thing that was a different perspective for me tonight not calling the game was looking at some of the bigger picture things with the way this team plays and when you see how over the last maybe six weeks as they've gotten comfortable playing in this type of style Merrim and Gressel spreading the field and and hugging the touchline and staying wide has created so much space in the middle for Barco and Pitti and Joseph to combine, but also for Rometty and Nagby or Heinemann or Lorenowitz to step into the play. And it really makes the opposition make some difficult decisions. I thought the first half they played that to perfection, going left to right, right to left, opening the field up, creating those passing lanes. They, they really should have put a third goal on the board in the first half. That would have ended it as a contest. They had to sweat for it in the second half. 
So first half you showed the flair, the quality, some of the outrageousness that you can play with that just not many teams in this league can. Second half showed some of the guts and some of the things that people have asked about this team is, do you have that? They did. Finishing it out with 10 men, losing LGP, shifting the back line around multiple times to make it all work, that's gutsy. And that's an impressive win to be able to show both in the same 90 minutes. Yeah, they got a little bit fortunate, too, in the final minutes. Brad Guzan made a, a nice save of kind of a, a shot that I'm sure Ike Opara would love to have back. He just mm. couldn't get much on it. And then there was another shot that was uh, put over the, do- uh, over the bar. I think it was by Dotson. Um, he was six yards out, had the goal, and missed it. Uh, Minnesota had 18 shots, uh, four on goal, 15 from inside the box. Kind of the exact opposite of what Orlando did um, last yeah. week and its game. But sometimes you need a little bit of luck. Um, I think Atlanta United, frankly, was probably on its last legs in the second half. It has played a lot of soccer uh, in August. It's played a lot of soccer this season. Now it's got to get through one more game, a huge game at Philadelphia, and then it'll get most of two weeks off, at least two weeks without a game, uh, probably take a week off from training, come back, start again, and get ready for the final stretch. Um, I thought Miles Robinson had a huge game tonight. I thought Pogba shook off the slow starts that have been a problem for him and played well. Miriam and Gressel were good. Nagby and Rometty were good. Uh, Pitti got in the good space for that goal. He had a couple of nice passes too. Joseph just Joseph, I thought his build-up play or his connection play was really good. He just could not get on the end uh, of too many uh, crosses or passes and finish them off. His best was probably the one from Gressel in the second half, which was kind of funny because he just reamed out Gressel for not putting the ball where he wanted the cross before. And then Gressel gets it to him and he flubs the shot. (laughs) Yeah, he mistimed his jump a couple times on crosses. I I thought he might have been able to get something on it. Pitti was was our unofficial man of the match. I, I thought That's a good choice. his overall performance was really good. He was third in the team on tackles, yeah. uh, which was surprising. Worked very hard. Um, hated to see him have to come out, but you had to make that substitution right. after the, the LGP red card. You had to get another center back in there. Pitti was was good. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it's, you bring a player like Pitti in here for these moments because this guy has won a lot of trophies in his career. He's been in these situations. He knows how to handle it. I thought one of the things that uh, I'll take out of this and I'll remember is Atlanta finishing the game with some guts on tired legs for sure. But Minnesota also finishing the game in in some kind of strange ways. Like they were wasting their own time late. Uh, Abu Dunlady yelling at Eric Rometty, who's down after a foul and took time off the clock. Icopara just laying in the 18 after missing a chance with about 90 seconds left in the match. That allowed Brad Gazan to take even more time on the goal kick. Things like that, little surprising. Now you have an Atlanta United team that has been there, done that, lifted trophies three times. They know how to play in these matches. It's going to serve them very well in the new MLS postseason format. What did you make of Minnesota's starting eleven? I don't know why they left Darwin Quintero out. Yeah, that's that's what I was getting at. I'm I have no idea why they left by Darwin Quintero Arguably out. your team's best player, and he's not on the field in the biggest game. I don't know why you're putting Hassani Dotson in instead of Darwin Quintero. 
because it, it did two things. It, it broke up the Jan Gregush, Osvaldo Alonso central midfield pairing. You played Dotson with Osvaldo Alonso, which Dotson was fine. I mean, he wasn't bad. But Gregush doesn't give you the same game playing in a 10 role that he does as a holding midfielder paired with Alonso. And you took away a creative attacking player in Quintero. And I thought you saw Quintero start to find some of that space. And it's something we talked about on soccer down here. When it's Remedi and Nagby together, at times they can get disconnected from the center backs. And there's a pocket there that a player like Darwin Quintero, who likes to drop off of the front line and find that little gap between the lines, it was ready-made for him. And it's... It's a crazy decision. I, I really don't get it. Um, I don't think Adrian Heath said it was injury-related or anything like that. He just felt like that was the best lineup for him to get a result. So by winning this tournament, Atlanta United gets uh, uh, into a bonus pool, $300,000, which I think brings them up to about seven hundred and fifty to $800,000 from the bonuses from the Campionas Cup. And advancing to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. It's, that's a rough number. I need to go back and look them up. That's a good bucket of cash. Yeah, that's a good bucket of cash. Um, but they do qualify again for next year's Champions League. Massive. Yeah, Gressel, um, Guzan, both said they think they could do better. Frank said he thinks they should do better in the Champions League because they have the experience. That game in Monterey is one Gressel did not get to play in because of an injury. Um, I think that if Frank could do it over again, he would make a couple of changes in those final 15 minutes that he didn't make last time. So that's more experience. And then we also have the wild card of what is the CBA going to allow Atlanta United to do, which I think is a gigantic factor in determining its success in next year's event. It could. It very well could uh, on a number of levels um, beyond what the roster can look like, what options Atlanta United is going to have in re-signing players. You're going to have a lot of guys up for contracts or up for options on contracts, and some tough decisions will have to be made. You don't know exactly what you're working with in that regard right now. Um, also, the timing. You know, If there's any delay in it and there's a strike, then that's going to affect preseason preparation, and that's going to put the team really behind the eight ball as they prepare for CONCACAF. The season is expected to start earlier in February. Don't know how early exactly. Don't know if it's going to get into the second week or the third week of February, but earlier, which will help in, in some ways because your preseason would start earlier. You'd be in a little bit different frame of your season for CONCACAF matches. All that's great, but if there are complications with the CBA – it can affect roster building. It can also affect preseason training. And those are going to affect you in CONCACAF. And I agree with what the players have said afterwards. Now that you've been there and done that, now that you could go into this season with a lot a lot of continuity, we'll see how much continuity, but not having a new tactical system, not having a new manager come in, you should be in a much better position to compete. Yeah, I'm, I'm really going to be curious what's going to happen with this CBA because everything is getting pushed up this year. Instead of the first week of December the season ends, it's going to end the first week of November. I wouldn't be surprised to see MLS change the date of the draft and the combine from January to mid-December and then start training camps at least a week earlier in January. 
um, so that teams have more time. If the season's moving up a week, they need a week up for training camp. Teams in the Champions League need, need even a little bit more than that to get ready. Um, Essentially, so starting everything, January 1. Everything moves up a little bit. Uh, but they would have to get the CBA done, I think, uh, before January 1st for that to happen. I don't know how would a, a strike would affect MLS teams' participation in the Champions League. That would be an interesting uh, question for me to try to find out. So I guess it would affect their, pre, their, their training, which would affect it, but could they still play? Yeah, it gets really I, complicated. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll see what's going to happen. Um, so we're going to wrap this up here. We've been talking for 11 minutes or so. I've still got a lot of work to do, and, and Jason has some things to prepare for. Jason, what do you have upcoming? Oh, it's a busy day tomorrow. It's overreaction Wednesday. Uh, we'll be talking about tonight's match. We'll be looking ahead to Philadelphia. Then on uh, Facebook.com slash 99thegame, 2 o'clock, we'll have stoppage time. Myself, Mike Conti, Jimmy Vance, we'll be talking about everything that happened here. Um, we, we need the Atlanta equivalent of champagne football. We need to know what that should be. Um, I don't think we can call it champagne football in Atlanta. We need we need some kind of term for this. And also tomorrow PB&R. night, what's that? PBNR football. Yeah, we we covered, sweet, we covered Sweetwater Sweetwater football. Well, we don't want to go brand <laughs> because we also had Hennessy soccer. Oh, was okay. recommended. We don't want to go brand name, so we uh, got to think about this. But uh, also tomorrow night, Atlanta United two in action on ESPN Plus and at Fifth Third Bank Stadium in Kennesaw against Memphis. 901 and Lagos Kunga returning to face Atlanta United 2. So a busy day tomorrow for me and then heading to Philadelphia on Saturday. A 40 ounce of soccer. Uh, I'm okay with this. <laughs> I will have obviously this podcast. Player ratings will go up in just a few minutes. I'm going to add some quotes into the game story. I'll have something on Atlanta United is not done. They still got the MLS Cup to defend. Uh, reminder they are in first place. Tied with Philadelphia for 48 points, but ahead of them on win difference, which is the first tiebreaker. Um, and that's the last trophy that they can win this season. And then I'll probably have some more stuff. I just got to listen to all the quotes and go through it. I want to say a happy 17th birthday to my daughter, who turned 17 on Wednesday. I'm an extremely proud father. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I met our new Hawks beat reporter for the first time tonight. She came to the game. Sarah Spencer, you can find her on Twitter. She's going to be a fantastic addition to the staff and is going to provide the best coverage of the Atlanta Hawks, just like we provide the best for the Braves and the best for the Falcons and Georgia and Georgia Tech. Anyway, Atlanta United defeats Minnesota 2-1 to to take the U.S. Open Cup, its third major trophy in nine months. This is Doug Robertson closing out this edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show streaming now on AJC.com.
The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.